Good morning. Welcome back. I hope you're feeling well, whoever you are. Uh, today is Thursday, June 16, 2022. Class 9 in the series uh, Webu Sayada and Anapanasati, or uh, teachings and practice associated with um, Webu Sayada and um, Theravadan root teaching from someone who um, quite probably um, attained Arahan in this lifetime. And we're in the middle of the third chapter in the translation of the book, The Essential Practice, translated from Burmese by Roger Bischoff. Part one is the first three chapters. Part two is another few. Part one, third chapter, Flight of an Arrow, we're in the middle of it. It's a long chapter. And before I read the second half of it, uh, just share a point that came clear to me. Uh, we can look at his teaching and say, this is what you should do. Um, if th- That's a very common <laughs> reply, or his students may say, this is what you should do. Or his students may tell themselves, this is what we should do. If you ask him what to do, this is what he'll say you should do, which is 100% um, sacrifice all for uh, complete and perfect enlightenment attainment now, this lifetime, as soon as possible, just goes straight, the flight of an arrow, right? That's what he did. If you're asking for guidance in life, that's what he'll share. Um, Essentially... It's not that, I mean, I, my reframe of this is that it's, it's simplistic and, mis- and mistaken uh, to say this is what you should do. Because first of all, we're not going to do it, right? <laughs> Even his disciples are not doing it, okay? So let's be realistic. If you want what he's attained, if you want uh, full attainment, Nibban, Moksha, Mukti, Complete and perfect awakening and release ASAP. This is what you should do. That's a better a quali- that, That's a useful qualification. This is what you should do if you want a complete and perfect attainment now. And if you don't want complete and perfect attainment now, you know that's fine. Most nearly no one does. Let's be honest about it. Nearly no one does. It doesn't mean we don't want it. We just don't... We're, we, we want to experience other things. Okay. Fine. That's called desire and uh, grasping and aversion. And there's more dukkha and your shoro maya. It's all sunya. It's all empty. And it's anichinata, sure. But we still want it. Okay. Let's be honest. So I know you can be honest. Some Buddhists and Hindus can't. <laughs> some, some of the disciples around him couldn't. They'll say, we want it, we want it. Tell us what to do, tell us what to do. He tells you, here's what you do. You take the flight of an arrow straight to the goal. And so this is what you should do if you want what he has, what he's attained. If you want the attainment that he's attained, which is, I would say, the end of the path, of certainly Nibban looks to me, this is how to live. So if you want it now, this is what you should do. But if you don't want it now, you can't do it. And so the other part is, those who want it now do this. And those who don't 
do this, don't want it now. And so you'll see, I see, the disciple fooling himself a little bit because he loves his teacher. Or he doesn't want to get whacked by his teacher. To, to sort of agree, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. But actually he doesn't want to live the way, you, you know, in accord with the flight of an arrow. And neither do, neither do I. Meanwhile, it is the supreme way and it is the way if you seek complete and perfect attainment now. Period. And anybody who says they want complete and perfect attainment now, it's not just a later. Later is, we all want it later in our own time. Uh, but wanting it now, um, it's not true unless you're living this. <laughs> if you, if you, you know, it's like sometimes I hear people over the years said, I, I think about live to go to a Buddhist monastery. And I would say something like, how many hours of meditation are you doing a day? Say, oh, well, I just do 20 minutes. <laughs> My thought would be, <clears throat> if you're not maxing out all you can do in practice here in the society, in the lay, lay person's life, you may not be ready to go to a monastery. If you're meditating three hours a day and you can't do any more and you've got these obligations, but you really don't need to do them and you feel they're burdensome and you, you're not really indebted to anyone, you are free to leave and you're already using this non-mastic life maximally, then sure, go, and you'll do well because uh, you have lots of time and space to do practice there. But if you're not using most of your time and space to do practice here, you won't want it. You, may, you will likely not start to want to do it or use all your time and space for practice there. And so this is not... <clears throat> Uh, this is not, you know, what Weibu Sayadaw's teaching is not what you should do. It's what you should do if you want complete and perfect attainment now, which he has or does or did. He is and shows and lived and fulfilled. And and again, if if a person's not practicing the way he's practicing, including the Jataka tales that I'm going to look into, talking about Gautama as the king of the monkeys giving up his body as uh, meat and flesh for the Brahmin who uh, wanted to kill him. <clears throat> who say He saved the Brahmin and then he, he says, you know, take my body flesh so you're happy. Uh, the, the parami of uh, dana, of generosity. Uh, if you don't live in accord with the supreme praxis of the Bodhisattva, of the Buddha as Bodhisattva, past lives, um, you really shouldn't be saying you want it now. You can say whatever you want, but I won't believe you <laughs> if you say you want it now and you don't live that now. So we shouldn't fool ourselves. We shouldn't be fooling others. We shouldn't let others fool us either. We shouldn't be fooled by people who are fooling themselves. Right? Don't be fooled by people who are self-deceiving. Don't be fooled by self-deceivers. And don't deceive yourself. And don't deceive others. Sure. Right speech. So, anyway, I think some of those perspectives are useful here. This is not what should be done. This is what should be done for those who are fully and sincerely, exclusively wanting complete and perfect attainment now. And, and, that, and, and anybody who thinks they do but doesn't live this, I think, is self-deceiving. Okay, all right. So... So the story, the first story in the middle of, or second portion of the chapter, Flight of the Arrow, 
is the story of the Bodhisattva. And I don't want to read it again because there are a couple more stories that are very interesting. But uh, basically, um, the final one of the final paragraphs, uh, Webu Sayadaw relates of Bato, uh, Gautama the Bodhisattva, which was the original ter- usage of the term Bodhisattva or Bodhisatta in Pali, in Theravada, in the Pali Canon, which was the lives of Gautama before becoming Gautama the Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, which was he as the Bodhisattva. Then in Sanskrit goes to Bodhisattva, not um, a goal for practitioners, actually just a stage on the way to Buddha. Anyway, the paragraph goes, when the Bodhisattva, meaning Gautama in his past life, felt the pain of the blow hit by the guy, He quickly climbed to the next tree. He asked himself who or what had attacked him. He then saw that there was no enemy around, but that the Brahmin himself had tried to kill him. And he thought to himself, yes, there are people like this in the world too, which is a very essential, essential uh, distilled wisdom learning from being attacked. Uh, Yes, it is such. That's it. You may like it, you may hate it, you may get upset, this, that, and the other thing. But the boil down distill, distillate, the distillate is, yes, indeed, there are people like that here. Yes, indeed, uh, the person that I thought couldn't do it can do it. Hmm. Yes, indeed, uh, I have this that I didn't think I had. Or I can be triggered to such that I didn't think I could be. Okay, yes, indeed. goes on, as the Bodhisattva was thinking this, Gautama, the Brahmin started lamenting again, exclaiming that he was lost in this big jungle and that he'd perish after all. But the monkey king... Gautama, as Bodhisattva, said to him, speaking from the tree, Don't worry, don't be afraid. I've promised you that I shall take you back to your home, and I shall not break this promise. I shall take you home. I can't carry you on my shoulder anymore, but as you open my skull, there is blood dripping to the ground continuously. Just follow the track of blood I'll make for you from up in the trees, and I'll take you home. And he, Webu concludes it and says, This is how the Bodhisattva acted. He took all this on himself because his goal was omniscience, Buddhahood, ASAP. Uh, he worked on all the ten sublime perfections, the parami, paramitas. Did the bodhisattva rescind from accomplishing the good deed he'd undertaken to complete because he was afraid that the man who had attempted to take his life might again try to kill him? Did he abandon him in the jungle? And the disciple goes on, no, sir. The Bodhisattva led the Brahmin home with great loving kindness in order to perfect his parami. And Webu replies, You see, if one aspires to omniscient Buddhahood, one has to fulfill the perfections, the ten parami, in this way, without ever taking a break, without ever resting. Otherwise, one can't attain Buddhahood. Do you understand? A Bodhisattva never rests. He never becomes lack. He works on the ten paramis all the time. Now, you know, there are other Buddhist teachers who would say that's called too tight. And there, and I, well, I don't know. I'm not, you know, what do I know? I, am, I would say that somebody could say that that's too tight. A bodhisattva never rests. Well, <laughs> if you never rest, will you burn out? Yeah. And that's, and, and that's his understanding of right practice or right living in terms of seeking to become an omniscient Buddha is you never rest and you never become lax. Again and again, on, 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 on. I mean, I've seen some people who've tried that, and uh, one guy killed himself, <laughs> and because he couldn't do it. And another guy, you know, 
became mentally disordered for a while. Uh, and I, you know, tried to be sort of like this for a short time, and I realized I couldn't, and then I just <laughs> lowered my expectation from my, of myself or of this lifetime or um, realized that indeed I should conform my life, my practice and my life style of practice uh, to the reality of of all of me, not just the idealized poor, you know, not not just the view that I want the goal. Yes, I want the goal. You do too. We all do. But actually, there's there one in a hundred million, like Weibo Sayadaw, or one in maybe one in a hundred million, one in ten million, like Weibo Sayadaw in the world that truly, sincerely want nothing but now, you know, omniscient Buddhahood now. They want complete and perfect enlightenment now. And they're going to throw everything else away because they nothing has any value but that, complete and perfect attainment. Great. But I think we should, you know, rightly put this into into perspective. And because because really, the, the I mean, you can say I'm just talking about myself. Yes, I am. But actually, there is a certain category of aspirant or seeker or wanderer or spiritual student or spiritual, spiritually oriented person who um, self-blames upon unrecognized conflict between the actual and the ideal regarding believing that... that uh, not knowing that their actual level of commitment is less than what they think they should have, ideally. That their actual motivations are more mixed than they think they are. Level of commitment equals uh, purity of motivation. Purity of motivation, chanda, is critical. Uh, but you've got to at least admit where you're at. <laughs> you know, you can, you can want to be anything you want, but at least before you get there you really ought to be honest about where you're at now, which is the purity of motivation, which purity of commitment is, or strength of commitment is really a question of the purity or the composition of the motivation, the range, the complex of motivation, the motivational set, because it ain't just one. The motivational set, the composite of motivation. I want this and I want that. I want to go up and I want to go down. I want to stay here and I want to be out of here. Things like that. I want happiness, but I'm not willing to work too hard for it. <laughs> I want complete perfect enlightenment, but I'm not willing to live as Weibu Sayadaw says. Okay, make peace with that. I mean, that's critical. I mean, I, I you know, I was not clear on these things, uh, or I think I'm a little clearer now than I was in my 20s, where I, I didn't realize that... Um, Wanting the ideal was not the only wanting, or I realized at the time that I shouldn't be a monk. Um, and that's the case for wanderers too, in general, who ever thought I want to be a monk or a nun. But uh, we want, we want, um, we we love light, or we want light. We're seeking light, as Ross said, right? By love, by wisdom and love. Love and wisdom are the developing love and wisdom are means of seeking light. Right? What do you mean seeking light? Seeking light means perfection the seven rays. Perfecting the seven rays means the seven chakras um, are completely um, perfected in their capacity to receive and transmit light, or prana, 
or chi or ki, same. That there's no, that, that there's nearly, there's no significant lower triad blockage. There's complete or crystallized development and balance of green-blue, love wisdom, the crystallized healer, and uh, maximal development of six-ray and linkage to, uh, to seven and coordination among all the chakras. We want that, but we also want to explore other desires, which um, are often associated with blockage, actually, or personal preference and emotion, feelingfulness. Okay. So, it's not a small thing, because self-deception is everywhere here. This is a planet of self-deceivers. I mean, this is a planet of thick self-deception. Thick, Ross said. We can't blum the depths of the distortions that infect your peoples and the paucity of honesty. The paucity of honesty is primarily a, a paucity, poverty, deficiency of honesty with oneself. It's, it's all over the place. So what he's, what he's teaching is the way to attain the supreme ASAP. And if one doesn't do it, one should admit that one has other desires. Anyway, going on. Uh, he said, A bodhisattva never rests, he never becomes lax, he works on the ten perfections all the time. And, the, and goes on, you, you told me to the disciple, you told me only, only a moment ago that you couldn't keep up your awareness of the spot in Anapanasati. You couldn't keep up your awareness if robbers would attack you and try to kill you. The disciple says, I couldn't keep it up as yet, sir. But you are aspiring to awakening, aren't you? Yes, sir, I am. If you want it, you can achieve it. If you keep your attention focused as I taught you, you will get much out of it, even if people should hit you, pound you, and destroy you. Have you heard the story of Tissa Terra? Terra means elder, Theravada Terra. And Tissa, Tissa is um, one of the great monks or arahants. The disciple says, no, sir, I haven't heard that story. And Weibu gives the story and says, Tisa Tara received the teachings of the Buddha and appreciating their value, he thought, now I can't continue living in this grand style. He was a layman at that time. And he gave all his possessions to his younger brother. Then he became a monk and went to live and meditate in the jungle with his begging bowl and his set of three robes. And that was all his human possessions. Now his brother's wife thought, quote, this is the brother's wife thought, quote, it's very enjoyable to possess all the riches of my husband's older brother. If he remains a monk, we shall, all, we shall have these riches for the rest of our lives. But maybe he will not attain awakening, and maybe he'll possibly return to lay life. Hmm. So I had best have him killed. Hmm. End quote. And she gave money to some robbers and said to them, Go and kill Tessatera, my husband's older brother. I shall give you more money after you've completed the job. And they said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said, no problem, right? They're even lower than her. So sh the story goes on. So the robbers went to the forest where Tisatera lived and grabbed him. He said, quote, I don't possess anything, but if you want to take my bowl and robes, please do so. End quote. The robbers replied, we only want to kill you. Your brother's wife gave us money to kill you, and she'll give us more still after we've completed the job. That's why we have to kill you. Because we love money, and we're just not too bright. Sisatera thought, hmm, I'm not emancipated from suffering yet, meaning I'm not free of dukkha yet. And he felt ashamed of himself. 
he said to the robbers, "Yes, yes, you have to kill me, but please give me until dawn, and then only make an end, and then only make an end to my life. Give me a little time." The bandits replied, "All are afraid of death, and if this monk escapes, we shall not get our money." They're thinking, "You don't trust me," said Tissa. "Well, I'll, sh- I'll I shall make you trust me." Tissa replied, and he took a rock and smashed both his legs. Then he said, Now I can't run away anymore, so please don't kill me until dawn. Hmm, nice. And the story goes on, Though the Dacoits, Dacoits is a word uh, for Indian brigand. Though the Dacoits, very old word. (laughs) Anybody who knows that has a... When I hear that word, I know that uh, (laughs) I was there a long time ago. Though the Dacoits were very rough people. Due to the loving kindness of Tisatera, they felt compassion and decided to let him live until daybreak with his self-broken legs. Tisatera admonished himself, Venerable Tisa, there's not much time left. Dawn is close. Put forth effort. He put forth strong effort in the practice of the Buddha's teachings, and as he worked with a steady mind, dawn arrived. As the sun rose, he fulfilled his aspiration and attained happiness, meaning he attained Nibban and thought to himself, I have attained release from the cycle of birth and death. He rejoiced. He then woke the robbers who were sleeping next to him and said, The day has dawned. Rise and come. And he is full of joy. Now, Webu says, Is Tisatera a real disciple of the Buddha at Arahan? Yes, sir, he is, said the disciple. And so he basically smashed his legs and said, I'm going to attain Nibban before the morning. And um, just you know, trust me and sleep next to me and you can kill me in the morning. And they said, sure, good deal. So they went to sleep and he went to deep practice and attained a final release and uh, was was happy, (laughs) was, you know, about to join the ranks of the guardians, I'd say. And then they killed him and went back to his brother's wife and got some money and everybody was happy. So there you go. Uh... Weibu goes on. Whose development is faster, do you think? That of someone who meditates with both legs broken, or that of someone who meditates as you do? <laughs> Sir, I would prefer to meditate without first breaking my legs. So this, the disciples are very sweet. But this one. Tisatera, and so Weibu explains, Tisatera got it before dawn, even with both his legs broken. Will you get it before the day breaks? I don't think that I could get it, sir. It'll take me longer than that. We take it easy, sir. If one doesn't have to break one's legs, effort is less, and progress, therefore, slower. It's sort of like, if you want, if you only want attainment, there's no issue at all. There's no question about, you don't need to break your legs. You just, there's nothing else you want. You value nothing else but that. You're ready to finish the path. You're ready to leave Basically, six density. You're ready to leave identity. The the issue, you know, identity and perception is seen as dukkha. Basically, vijnana and uh, vedana um, is, is, and sankara, the whole thing of mind and perceiving and arising and passing away and subjectivity. It's all seen as empty and dukkha, and you don't want any more of it. There's nothing else, and, and as well as sensual clinging and pr- pleasures of this and that, the pleasure of taking it easy and the pleasure of getting something good and the pleasure of you know being 
in relationship or running around seeing new sites, whatever. Those things just seem pointless. You know, you're just not interested anymore. Finished with the worldly. You finished with actually the, the subjective. That's a huge um, position. It's a huge attainment to be ready to be finished or to be finished with subjectivity. It's a huge attainment before the final attainment. It's the attainment, you know, close to higher self or of higher self. So, it, you know, it's just not reasonable <laughs> to, to, to say, I should do this. When you're, when you're where he is, you will do this. So, he goes, uh, Weibu explains, so in that case, you're not so eager to attain your goal quickly. Sir, we'd like to go slowly, slowly. And Weibu says, well, then maybe you should break your legs and then meditate. And that's his line. That, that's, so he's kind of hard-ass, right? Maybe you should break your legs and then meditate because you like to go slowly, slowly? Eh? Hmm? Is there some missing compassion there? No, maybe. Who knows? I'm not at him, you know? But that's how he did it. But, I mean, to think you're going to break your legs and then you're going to have the motivation to attain now, uh, that doesn't work. You, 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 if you have the motivation, you don't need to break your legs. And if you don't have the motivation, breaking your legs won't make you gain the motivation, actually. So, you, you know, what would Jesus do? You can't just do what Jesus did. You're not Jesus. Even if you do, you're still not Jesus. <laughs> you got to start with where you're at <clears throat> and be free of all that's uh, distorted. And that takes a whole lot of honesty. Anyway, the disciple says, I don't have the courage to do that, sir. I say, and here's the, here's the good self-reflection, I say that I do aspire to Nibbana, but in my mind I'm still fearful. I don't have the strength to accept being killed after breaking my own legs. In that case, work just the same, but work without breaking your legs, <laughs> says Weibu. And the disciple says, we shall work hard in the way you taught us, sir. We're emulating Vishaka and Anatapindika, sir. This is a story. It says in the scriptures that they're enjoying a good life in the Deva Plains now, and we'd like to have that same type of enjoyment, sir. The note 12 here is uh, Vishaka was an eminent, dis eminent female disciple of the Buddha, and Anatapindika, Anatapindika was an eminent lay, male lay disciple. So these were not monks, but these were lay disciples, meaning non-monastics, non-bhikkhuni, who did a lot of virtue. You know, they were solid in Shila, solid in Dana, solid in Samadhi, and had attainment. Mm, so, nothing wrong with that. And he's saying, uh, it said in the scriptures, they're enjoying a good life in the Deva Plains, Deva Loka. And we'd like to have that same type of enjoyment also, sir. So that's practicing for higher dimensional rebirth. And uh, a longer explanation from Weibo Sayadaw. Yes, they're enjoying a good life after having attained a lot. But you've not attained to the same stage yet, have you? Are you really doing as they did? He tells the story. Anatta Pindika went to Rajagaha. I've been there, Vulture Peak. It's a city associated with a mountain, a small mountain. Anatta Pindika went to Rajagraha as a banker on business. Only when he reached there did he come to know that a Buddha had arisen in the world. It was a very heavy place. I felt something strong. <laughs> he didn't go to Rajagaha to meditate or to pay respects to the Buddha, but when he was told about the Buddha, he went to see him immediately in the middle of the night 
He had to leave the city walls to go to the place where the Buddha resided outside of Rajagaha. When he stood before the Buddha, he attained what he aspired to, just like that. If someone drops everything and hurries to the Buddha in the middle of the night, is the effort of that person great or small? Do you think he ever let go of the Buddha as an object of his mind while on the way to see him? No, sir, he didn't. And you see, Ganata Pindika didn't have to practice for years and it had an attainment. What attainment? Sotapanna? You know, non-returner? Or first, uh, once-returner, non-returner? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, at least Sotapanna. And so you see, um, yeah, all sorts of uh, catalysts can act as trigger for uh, fruit. Um, the uh, Magapalas, the four Magapalas, the four Maga is path, Pala is fruit, path, fruit, attainments of the four levels. Uh, Sotapanna, once return, non return, then Arahant. Standing in front of somebody, seeing something, hearing something, receiving a teaching, giving a teaching. For someone who has some attainment, giving a teaching can actually lead to attainment. In the, at the end of a teaching, one, the teacher who's not yet fully attained can have an next level of attainment, actually. There's a, there's a sutta about that, a sutta including that. Pretty shocking, actually, <laughs> for me doing teaching. One can have breakthrough, you know, minor or major. One can one can have minor and major breakthrough, uh, which is basically a seven chakra, you know, pranic matter really, pranic, um, uh, pranic attainment, attainment of next level uh, pranic circulation and chakra development, which equals uh, nagapala or an aspect of that, just by talking, or listening, or seeing, um, or going, or all sorts of things, and meditating, of course, but not necessarily during meditation. So, he dropped everything, hurried to the Buddha in the middle of the night, and um, when he stood before the Buddha, he attained what he aspired for. So... Webu asks, do you think he ever let go of Buddha as the object of his mind while on the way to see him? No, sir, he didn't. But you see, that's not what did it, that he kept thinking of the, about the Buddha. And it really wasn't even completely just the effort of going to see Gautama in the middle of the night, leaving Rajagaha and, and go there because he knew a great, a great sun had arisen in the world. Uh, it's his, it was his karma. <laughs> it, it was, he had done massive spiritual work in past lives and um, thus had the excellent karma to be born at the time of a, the arising of a Buddha and to be able to be in the vicinity to go visit physically that was the result of that's his good karma his good karma means the result of very significant work in self-transformation in past lives and a lot of sacrifice a lot of shila and a lot of dana absolutely so that's what did it, not keeping Buddha in his mind when he was walking for two hours, actually, is my view. So, but, you know, this is, not every little detail is spoken in, in every statement. So, Weibo goes on, now tell me about yourselves. <laughs> and the disciple says, very honestly, we lose the awareness of the object while we walk, or while we think, and so on, sir. Weibo says, if you want to become like Anantapindika, you have to strive as he strove. 
And uh, the disciple says, Anattapindika had to go through a cemetery on his way to the Buddha, sir. That much we can do too, sir. <laughs> and Weibo says, It's said that Anattapindika began his meditation in the first watch of the night and attained the path and fruit of stream entry. Okay, first level. When the day broke. But if you can't get it by daybreak, never mind. It's good enough if you can get it by the time the sun has risen and it is light. Tell me, will you work so that you can attain the goal by tomorrow? The student says, Sir, we too shall go through a cemetery to come to your monastery, and in this way we shall emulate Anathamedika, which is a, a cute, evasive way of, say, of not saying no. Uh, I'm not able to work. I don't want it enough to work so that I attain the goal by tomorrow. You know? So the disciple didn't want to say, Sorry, yes, sir. I'm not at that level of motivation. I think you're you're a great being, you know? You're a great hero. But um, I don't have that strength of desire. Huh? So for me, it's a big deal. It's something, you know, it's part of my karmic, my, my work in this life to work through this issue. For you, it may not be important, but for me, it is. But self-deception <laughs> is uh, everyone's business uh, because this is a this is this is a, hum- a collective full of self-deception so it's better not to uh, participate in that so he said well we'll go through the cemetery and that way we emulate him did he allow the continuity of awareness to be interrupted he didn't sir but we are doing the same as he did only in only as far as the way is concerned meaning we walk through a cemetery Sabuebu says, if you really want to become like Anantapindika, you have to work. If you work, you fulfill you can fulfill your aspiration. If you don't work, you won't achieve anything. Is it not possible for you to concentrate on the spot where the air touches? It is possible, sir. To become like Anantapindika, you have to practice as I taught you. Will you tell me tomorrow that you attained your goal? Uh, and the disciple says, I shall tell you that I haven't attained it yet, sir. And you know, this is a kind of a funny kind of thing going on here. I don't know the attitude of Weibo Sayadaw. He's a very serious person, and I think he is fully attained. Maybe that's the best way of dealing with a student like this. I have no idea. I'm not at his level, so what? I, you know, I can only think of how I know where I am. But I don't know. I mean, if you keep beating on the same uh, impossibility... You're, you're, you know, I, I don't know if that's helpful. Because at the end, the student really just says, this is what I see personally in Asia a lot, where there's really a gulf between the teachers and the students. In the West, the teachers are not so high and the students are not so low. In the East, some, at best, the teachers are very high and the students are commonly quite low. Low meaning not developed in wisdom not seeking to develop in wisdom, not asking deep questions, and commonly not so great with Sila and, uh, as well. They're pretty good with Dana. They're better, they're great with Dana because that's making merit. I'm talking about Theravada in Burma, Sri Lanka, Thailand, particularly Thailand. I really have never been to Burma, Sri Lanka. From what I've seen, they may be actually a little bit more serious than Thailand in some ways. Uh, the 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 lay community may be more dedicated in Burma and Sri Lanka. <clears throat> but there's clearly a greater gulf in Thailand 
between um, the Ajahn level and the common student level. In the West, the teachers are not as... The Western teachers are not at the same level as most of their Thai counterparts, uh, nor are the students or the is the Sangha that crude or um, in, unwise or unsophisticated. So you have a greater sophistication, you have a greater middle in the West and a, a more uh, sparse middle level of wisdom and a greater gulf between teacher and student in the East. So, uh, but but this kind of approach may be part of the problem. Anyway, Weibuk says, Do you know what Anantapandika did after he attained the first stage of awakening? Sotapanna. He thought, this is incomparable. My king, my people, my relatives, my sons and daughters, city dwellers and country folk, all of them have not yet heard that a Buddha has arisen. I want them to experience the same bliss I've experienced. Now how can I accomplish this? I have to invite the Buddha and make him stay for some time in my city, Savati, and all can go and meet him. The Buddha, out of great compassion, will teach them, and at the end of the teaching, human beings and gods, devas alike, will attain to the bliss I've attained. Ananda. Even though he just had Sotapanna, um, he was quite aware of the bliss. And this is, you know, attainment of Sotapanna by a very wealthy man in a certain culture, in a society in which a real Buddha has arisen and, and lives. And the experience of Sotapanna for that person in that society at that time, in his condition is not the same as the experience of Satipana for everyone else. So, that's another subtle point. Going on, Anantapindika understood the ultimate truth, and he knew the reason, he knew the reason he understood it. This is, he knew, this is breaking one of the first fetters. He no longer had doubt in uh, Tiratna. He no longer had doubt in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. That's what Webu means, I believe, when he said, he knew the reason he understood it. <laughs> the reason he understood the ultimate truth was that he was practicing properly in accord with Gautama, or he met Gautama and realized, yeah, this guy's for real. <laughs> this guy really is a Buddha who has overcome ignorance and the world, and his teaching is true in that it truly, accurately does lead one out of uh, craving, suffering, and ignorance. Uh, he had no more doubt in Buddha Dhamma Sangha in general. And that's what Weibo means by he knew the reason he understood it. The reason he understood it, the ultimate truth, is that Gautama, is that uh, there's no problem with Triratna, Buddha Dhamma Sangha, is that it is as it's portrayed by Gautama. Then he invited the Buddha in order to help others to understand also. He had rest houses built every ten miles along the road from Rajagaha to his own native city. In Savati, Savashti, he built the Jetawana Monastery for the Buddha and arranged everything in such a way that there was a place for everyone. He provided everything, giving to all, from beggar to the king, great Dana. Thanks, so he wasn't a king, he was a, a banker. Thanks to Anattapindika, not, not like the bankers today. Huh? Thanks to Anattapindika's arrangements, the people who met the Buddha on his journey to Savati gained benefits also. 
During the, the Buddha's journey, many people, devas and brahmas, attained what they had aspired to. How many do you think were those who benefited? We don't know, sir. A great many human beings. How many human beings? How many celestial beings attained Nibbana then? A great many, sir. How many beings fulfilled their aspiration in the wink of an eye? This is Webu Sayadaw saying, It was 180 millions of Brahmas and countless millions of Devas. How many beings attained awakening as time went by? They must be innumerable, sir. And he goes on, Anattapindika continued to support the teachings of the Buddha, and due to his effort, many attained the deathless, meaning Nibban. Understanding this, you have to make a lot of effort to attain your goal by tomorrow. Will you do this? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he doesn't he know that he won't? Of course he knows that he won't. This contributes to the gulf, you know, in the East. Sorry, I can be critical of an arhat. Uh, this, I say, contributes to the gulf between teachers and students in the East. I mean, it's very noticeable to me. I've been to many monasteries, temples in Thailand, uh, and and in other and in in uh, Laos, and um, and you see it even Vietnamese Mahayana. The, the teachers and the students are really quite far apart, and there are not that many students who are trying to be thinking deeply and practicing, other than merit making. And and you can't just say make a lot of effort. Make a lot of effort to attain your goal by tomorrow. Of course he knows he can't. Now, I guess knowing that the student can't do what he's telling him he should do, he has a purpose for that, maybe. I presume he knows that the student can't. It's not that hard to know. Uh, but he says it anyway. Why? To generate shame? To trigger shame and, and regret? Or, or shame and... Um, some kind of uh, greater desire to shame him into harder practice? Maybe. Does that work? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But it's, it's worth looking into. <laughs> anyway, the student rightly says, Do not think too highly of me, sir. I don't think I'm able to get it by tomorrow. And Weibu says, So, you're hungry and your wife offers you food, but you still don't eat? When it comes to food, I will even force my way to the table, sir. Do you eat even though you don't want to eat or because you want to eat? Because I want to eat, sir. For how long is your hunger appeased if you eat once? For about half a day, sir. For how long will your hunger be stilled if you eat the way Anattapindika ate? Eat the way Anattapindika ate. For the remainder of the cycle of birth and death, sir. Meaning, how much fulfillment, satiation, spiritually, essentially, do you get? by attainment of what of Sotapanna, like Anatta Pintika did. Well, that's for the remainder of the cycle of birth and death, sir. Tell me, what's the best way for you? The food your wife offers you and that keeps you satisfied for half a day, or what the Buddha offers you and that keeps you satisfied for the remainder of the cycle of birth and death? I have to answer that what the Buddha offers is best for me, sir. You do eat what your wife offers you, what then do you do with the food the Buddha offers? I'm hesitant about that, sir. That's the reason I don't approve of myself, sir. So, okay, so uh, the guy ends up uh, thinking himself uh, a worm. <laughs> you know? I mean, I think it's good to look into this. Many Because I'm outside of a tradition. I can be free to talk this way. Some people won't like it. They'll think I'm irreverent. Don't be irreverent. 
But actually, I think Weibo Sayadaw is an arahant. So <laughs> we're talking about upaya here, not about his attainment. And upaya means skillful means or skillful method. It, it's basically skill and service in this case. And I don't think he's without skill. But I think that um, this approach is, it is why there's a gulf between um, the level of wisdom and, and maturity, sophistication of the teachers, and the level of wisdom, maturity uh, of the students in Asia, at least, at, at least in the Theravada countries, at least from what I've seen. And it's all over the place, actually. It's only the Western students or a few of the Eastern students who study or do serious practice. In general, I mean, it depends. It's only when Buddhism went to the West, all the West, any of the West, non-Asian countries, that the level of students um, rose closer to the level of, in the case of wisdom, in the case of sophisticated view and practice, understanding and 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 light living, that the level of the middle class, that there was a middle class. There wasn't much of a middle class in uh, Asian Buddhist communities. Middle class meaning <laughs> mid-level, lots of students who are thinking and uh, practicing and entertaining. In general, what you have is some being teachers who are really greatly attained, much higher than nearly all in the West, absolutely. Um, and the great majority of uh, disciples having a very crude understanding, actually, and not practicing a lot, and not asking deep questions to facilitate a sophisticated view. And the teachers keep them in simple view, actually. Partly, probably, by what we're seeing here. So anyway... The, 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 the disciple says, that's the reason I don't approve of myself, sir, so what, I don't like myself. Is that a good basis for practice? Good. And Weibo says, good, good, work hard. You put so much effort in doing all these other things because you don't view mind and matter properly, but you do feel respect for the Buddha. Having decided to meditate, meditate. As you meditate, you may find that your limbs grow aching and stiff. Now don't think, why do I get this pain? Is it dangerous? But make a resolve. Let it be dangerous. If I have to die, so be it. I have died in the past also. And so again, you just can't get to this level of motivation by loving your teacher. It just doesn't work. You can love your teacher and still rightly be incapable of attaining to the level of motivation and commitment of your teacher. You know, love of the teacher doesn't uh, always translate into uh, throw yourself freely off the off the precipice into practice generally not in some cases yes but but meaning not literal but f- full self offering to transformation that that's a whole piece of work anyway he said um how many times have you think you've died and the student says innumerable times sir Tell me, have you ever died while you were meditating? (laughs) No, sir. I've died while being unskillful only. That's why I'm still so agitated. So, if we have to die, how should we look at it? Quote, I've never died so far while meditating. I shall not wait until dawn. Let me die even now, so that I can get the experience of dying while meditating. You should think this way. If you die while meditating, will you become miserable? No, sir. 
If you live a life of laziness and sloth, will you become happy? No, sir. I shall continue going round in the cycle of birth and death, sir. And Weibu gives the final statements of this pa- of this chapter. Quote, I have never before in the whole cycle of birth and death had stiff and aching limbs because of meditation. It is good if I experience these troubles now. End quote. Thus should you look at your pains. Even though your limbs ache, do not give up. Know that wise people of the past have walked on the same path. You will have to work. If you only talk about putting forth effort, you will not attain anything. Only if you meditate can you come to understand. Now, you're probably thinking, quote, we want to meditate, but this venerable monk is talking for a long time, end quote. So, now, focus your mind as the Buddha taught and meditate with firm effort and with perseverance. And thus ends the the Dharma, Dhamma discourse. And, um, you know, I mean, I completely agree with the statements, you have to work, and if you only talk about putting forth effort, you won't have attainment. Absolutely. If you only study, you won't um, have certain gnosis, certain realization of, uh, you know, <laughs> four noble truths and the uh, three characteristics, three marks of existence, um, cannot be truly uh, grokked or, or apprehended without practice. You really won't know what non-duality is, even if, you're, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm fully in non-duality at all, but I think I've tasted a bit of it, and I, I think tasting non-duality is not possible without practice, because uh, silence of mind at a steady state, as Ross said, concentration, prolong you know, long concentration, sit long, uh, attentive at the spot, just as he said. Uh, brings the mind to this uh, silence of s- silence of mind at a steady state, not silence of self, silence of mind at a steady state, which is called non-proliferation, which is freedom from uh, uh, uncontrolled proliferation of sankara, um, and then all sorts of uh, insight will come naturally, as he as he said, and that is of effort. Um, I had this experience absolutely similar to what he's saying um, uh, let me die even right now so I can get the experience of dying while meditating it, it was actually um, yeah the, there was a, the earlier one he said if I have to die so be it fuck it uh, fuck it Bill O'Reilly screaming at the camera fuck it shoot it now shoot it now Humans, they put the worst into the positions of power in general at this time. It's really, you know, so upside down. Anyway, um, I, I, when the breath was starting to move from four, five, four, five, six respirations a minute down to three, three, four, from from six down to three or something like that. I had a feeling. Oh my God, maybe I won't inhale again. <laughs> and I thought, well. Probably this body knows what it's doing. And so even if I die because this body doesn't want to breathe, uh, the, the consciousness principle wants to get out. And so the body says, fuck, I don't want to breathe. Forget it, kid. It's over. I don't need it. 
then okay, well, I'll die while meditating. I had that experience and realized, okay, well, if I do, I do. Fine. If this body wants to stay alive, it'll take the next inhalation, whenever it is. I don't know. Seems to be not in a not happening anytime soon. The next inhalation. Um, all right, whatever. So that that's a little bit like uh, if I have to die, so be it. If I if the breath if the body doesn't want to take the next inhalation, so be it. Okay, yeah, I'll just you know expire and exhale. <laughs> uh, ex expiration, expiritus, expiritus out this body, right here. Fine. So there is some 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 uh, importance to that type of uncompromising commitment, for sure. And the stronger Ra said something like. Uh, the greater, this paraphrased, something, the, the greater the light, um, the greater the seeking of light or intensity of the will to seek the light. So the greater the will to seek the light, which is, in this case, to hold attention at the spot. It's simply stay with the object of concentration, uh, which is, uh, fear, I call it fierce non-doing. Uh, fiercely... Uh, committed to non-grasping attention, attentiveness, watching at the spot, or sensing. And it, it, at a certain point, one is no longer aware that there's a spot, but that there's a process, there's a flux, that um, you can call it breath, you can call it sensory, you can call it anything, but if there's no arising of, 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 of sankara, then you can't call, you're not calling anything anything. There's no labeling. So when there's no naming, there's no nama of the rupa, then there's no more nama rupa. When there's no more nama rupa, uh, yeah, then you can go beyond uh, knowing the difference between mind and viewing mind and matter properly. One level of viewing mind and matter, matter properly is that that's, <laughs> they're both anicca anatta. It's both. Mind and matter are sunya and uh, there's no mind and no matter. You can say that, but I couldn't possibly comment. You might think so, but I couldn't possibly comment. So you might think so, but actually there's a point where um, non, non-arising of thought um, is stable. The stabilize, a stable condition of mind where thought is just not arising. So then there's not labeling. Then there's not naming activity. Then you're not able to name Nama Rupa, mind, uh, naming, and Rupa form, matter, mind and matter. So what kind of view of mind and matter is there in silence of mind in a steady state or prolonged uh, uh, one-pointedness, you know, uh, stable concentration, equanimity in, in attentiveness, in mindfulness? What kind of naming, the, the, when there's no naming activity, what, is, what kind of view is right view. <laughs> uh-huh. There's no view possible when there's no when naming activity has ceased. Mm-hmm. So if there's a, with the cessation of naming activity, what view could there be? There's no view. So the view of no view. Uh-huh. So then, even talking real and unreal is is um, superfluous or or unperformed. You don't pri- You don't even name real and unreal 
or not, let alone mind and matter, let alone a spot or anna and apanna or in-breath and out-breath, out-breath and in-breath. You don't do that. It just doesn't happen. <coughs> so then what do you got? <laughs> you tell me. So uh, that can't be known without practice, all, that, all those experiences. So he's absolutely right. So in any case, that'll be it for today. See, look at that, a second talk in a row under an hour. And I think this is beautiful teaching, so even though I think there's some issues with the, you know, upaya of um, Theravada, Ajahn, and Sayadaw, great great beings, uh, Arahan, you know, to their Eastern disciples, I would help them grow in wisdom, but or, or not be so forceful. But who who can say? I don't know what's best. But um, this is the teaching um, for those. Th- this is the teaching of what straight arrow looks like. This is the straight arrow teaching. He's a straight arrow, and um, set his mind to uncompromising. Um, to uncompromise, he had an uncompromising um, desire for the goal. And this perspective, let it be dangerous. If I have to die, so be it. I've died in the past also. Big fucking deal. True. And so that, that attitude is really um, admirable, frankly. I think it's extremely admirable. So that's it for today. And I hope it was useful. Next week we'll uh, go to the next part. Uh, the next part of the book, Part two of the essential practice starts with uh, the chapter called Extinguishing the Inner Flames. So there are three chapters in the second part of the book, and they're also quite long. So we'll look at that starting part two of the book next week. In any case, I hope this was useful. Please take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.